0: And welcome to another episode of Podcast Pasta. That's a podcast that's like pasta, not the podcast that's about pasta. As always, I'm your host, Mike. And today, I'm joined with I'm joined with Maya Ben-David, a performance artist. You uh, host a YouTube channel where you do, like, I guess, I don't know how you call it, like, skits. I mean, if I had to explain to my audience, like, skits. Uh, um, well, yeah, how, how are you today?
1: I'm pretty good. Um... I'm making little figurines to put on a sun hat that me and my mom are gonna make together. So that's been pretty nice. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And that sound That sounds awesome. Um, so my other question I usually like to lead with is I know I gave you like a very brief introduction. I, I'm sure I missed a lot of it. Uh, a lot of what you do out because, you you know, you do a lot with your work, but I guess in your own words, explain like what you do and I guess what like motivates you as a creator.
1: Yeah. So I'm a video and performance artist and uh, I do host a lot of my videos on YouTube, mostly just because um, I, I find I want to access more people than just the art world. I guess I would describe my work as me uh, performing as different characters. They're usually anthropomorphic characters. And um, each video has a different topic or idea. I don't really stick to one idea, although I do have characters that repeat themselves. And they're basically just about what I'm uh, obsessed with at the moment. Um, They're pretty surrealist. Sometimes they're... um, in a video essay like kind of a strange video essay format and sometimes they're just me exploring a specific character
0: ah yeah very cool very cool now on your website here um which is like uh what i I was exploring a bit before starting this interview is um i I think you have a section where like you, you have your resume and it lists like you know like events that you've done as well as like your schooling but like oftentimes with like resumes it's it doesn't get like your your experience before like starting school and stuff like that so I guess I'm kind of curious like that because I know you went to like college I think um, if I remember correctly because I apologize I don't have it in front of me it's like you studied in studio art mm-hmm. um but I, I think I guess even before that and I guess leading into college like what was your experience with like performance art and I guess what led you to even pursue it further in college and beyond
1: I actually uh, started doing performance art at the end of my uh, university career um, and after I graduated. So before that, I was just doing, I, I really actually wanted to do painting and drawing, but I had a bad experience in art school where I would be making my characters or uh, probably a, like a much cruder and like worse version of my characters than they are right now. And um, art school doesn't like stylistic or illustrative work it more prefers like at least my art school prefers like abstract or uh realistic or um something that's breaking the medium as opposed to like using uh a stylistic approach like an anime style or something like that so um i I wanted to draw like a kind of fan fiction style drawings and that wasn't seen as like uh high art or fine art so then i decided to go into like the new media section or the they called it extended practices at my school which is basically just ex- uh, conceptual art and there i was introduced to video art which i love and i just i don't know fell in love with the medium and had i was really lucky because there was a um technician there and i would just like go into his studio every day and be like, how do I do this? How do I do green screen? How do I make my own website? How do I um, go bring things into After Effects? And he would just help me. Um, And then I started realizing that I didn't wanna always use um, found footage. So I started um, making my own costumes and characters and then putting them into my videos. So that's actually pretty late. I mean, I've been out of school for a very long time. But School wise, that was a pretty late decision for me,
0: right? Oh, very cool, very cool. So, it would like, like you said, like found footage, you meant like, um, you know, like stock footage, stuff like that.
1: No, I would uh, find I, I would have an idea of what I wanted to make the video about. Like, for example, I have a video called Pokémorph Me where uh, I was interested in Pokémorphs, which are basically. Pokemon but they're kind of like a humanized or sexualized version of a Pokemon and I was really interested in this like phenomenon that was happening so I just did some like heavy research on that uh, and looked at all the little corners of what people were making and then I like compiled a whole bunch of like footage of that and like abstracted it and like cut into the layers and um I also put myself into the video as well so, by found footage, I mean, like, found internet footage.
0: Uh, I gotcha. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because, it, like, when I was thinking, like, found footage, my, like, film brain went off. Like, found footage horror? Like, whoa, what? <laughs> um, but no, that's that's very cool. So, you call yourself, like, a performance artist. Um, and I, I guess, like, for me personally, the history of, like, performance art, which I've only, like, kind of studied in... College, like you know, for undergraduate, like prerequisite, eh, prerequisite courses, um, and I, I know it's kind of like seeing this interesting like evolution, especially with like the advent of like YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I guess like what was your experience? You know, been like you know taking your work and being able to like you know actually like, recorded for an audience, like, I mean, like, well, not like for an audience, but you know, like, to, like, YouTube and, like, publish it online?
1: Originally, I had almost, like, no reception on my YouTube, or uh, people who found my videos treated them like I was, like, some strange uh, phenomenon that they happened to come across, and so I'd get comments like, uh, what is this? What did I just stumble upon? Or like, I'm on the wrong side of YouTube, or things like, you should drink bleach, or something like that. Um, Because people were coming across very weird footage, and um, they had no context for it. I I didn't have my face in my videos all the time, and I didn't speak a lot in my videos, so if someone's coming across it and they don't have an art background or a film background, there's like this dehumanizing element to it. It was only when I started to like I made an intro video explaining my videos to people Um, and I started speaking more of my videos and I started having more people uh, pay attention that the uh, reception of my work changed online and that's when I think I enjoyed it more
0: yeah wow that kind of sounds rough i had like no idea that you know people weren't like so i guess like with youtube you have over time like found more of an audience for yourself
1: i think so i think the people that comment on my videos are uh really sweet and i really appreciate them watching my videos so yeah
0: oh very nice very nice now with like performance art like like i said you know changed a lot with youtube because like before youtube a lot of performance art was like you know done live and the whole mm-hmm. idea was that like each performance was like a little like different so like even if it's like the same artist doing like a similar um i don't know what the term would be like routine like uh i don't know if that's like the right word to use but like that. doing the same like you know, performance, it would be, like, different each time because it would be, like, you know, subtle changes in between, but, um, Mm -hmm. with YouTube, that's, like, you just record it once, and for the most part, it's, like, you know, the same over and over again, so I guess what I'm saying is, like, with, like, video recording and, you know, YouTube and stuff like that, do you think, um something's been kind of lost in the field of performance art in regards to, like, the ephemeral nature where, you know, like I said before, like, performances were unique, but now it's, like, more streamlined in terms of, like, the consistency of the performance?
1: I think that's a hard question because it depends on what you consider to be, who you consider to be a performance artist. Um, on, On my YouTube channel, I have a section where it's actually... I show my my performance, like, cause I I don't just do like YouTube performance. I also do like live performances. So you can watch some of the my live performances, and um, it, it's definitely a, a very different. It's very different. But one is more like film, um, and one is more like you're feeding off of the audience. But I'd say that, <clears throat> sorry about that. A lot of the art world has not moved to YouTube. From, from what I can see from my experience so a lot of performance art still is happening in person i I would say that the way people interact with cameras is a lot different and the way people interact with a perceived audience is is very different YouTube has sort of a streamlined voice where people can be like hi everybody it means so much to me if you comment click and commented clicked and subscribed and You know, there's a whole shtick and there's like a a YouTube voice. So in that way, um, a YouTube performer is um, a trope and like a style. But I'd say people who are um, in the art world and doing performance art um, are still doing their thing or they're doing something where they're integrating a video component with a live performance. Um, But I'm happy that video exists because I like it.
0: Right, so it's kind of like a give take in a sense where you know um, there is. Do you still think there is something then to like actual live performances outside of just like you know recording it for YouTube?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, I definitely do. The things that I I, the things that I would do as a live performance are very different than the things I would do um, for a video screen. So, for example, I made a video where. I'm serenading the stucco, the popcorn stucco in my apartment. Um, And I had my friend cosplay as this like, ethereal um, popcorn stucco character. And I sang a John Denver song, but in between each of the verses, I'd stop singing and then like pontificate about like my love of um, the stucco in my apartment. And stucco, by the way, is like the um, speckled, uh, yeah, texturing too. that okay just so um just so somebody everybody knows um so in between the in between singing i'd like pause and make like a we- really weird stretch of like well this actually reminds me of the how much i love and think about the popcorn ceiling in my apartment um and so there would be like this pause of like awkwardness and like laughter every time i did that and that's something that uh you work with with the audience. and I, So I wouldn't do that for a video because for a video, you have to anticipate different moments of laughter. And so I actually made another popcorn ceiling performance that was for the camera, and that was completely different.
0: Hmm, I see, I see. So I, I guess with like live performance then, because you know, and, and I'm sorry if this is like a very common question that you might get, um, but no. like, the idea like well yeah up then I imagine people have to ask you well like how do you have the nerve to like perform in front of people you know like because even like myself like who oftentimes I only do one-on-one conversations like not live or anything like sometimes I get nervous mm-hmm. like this is and it's just one person so I can't even fathom like doing what I do in front of like an audience a live audience so I I guess uh, uh, explain your experience with that
1: I definitely get nervous. I'm not like special. I'm not, a, I'm also not a national performer or I haven't, I've never been when I was a kid or a young adult or like, you know, a young 20 year old. Uh, I find it really excruciating and hard but I also find it really hard to perform in front of a camera. So they're both really hard and uh, it, it takes a couple of different practices to get comfortable both in front of the camera and uh, for a live performance. And so for both i practice a lot and the footage you see in my videos um i probably shot it didn't like it then shot it again and then made it like a uh, alteration then shot it again and for my live performances i probably practice it many 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 times and done a dress rehearsal and then <laughs> and then i performed it so i'm not uh, immune to it being scary <laughs>
0: I see yeah yeah that, that makes sense um, So I, I guess I kind of want to like because I'm kind of curious About like your creation process So you were talking about like and I think One of the first videos I was exposed to yours was, was like you know, like you mentioned The like stucco popcorn ceiling Made in I think mm. on like your YouTube channel um, And I'm just wondering how you came up With that idea because I've never like looked up At my like ceiling at my popcorn ceiling I thought yeah I wish that was a waifu so, I guess, connect the dots for me, in a way.
1: Well, I, a couple years ago, got a um, an eye exam, and I got a new pair of glasses. And I always knew that my apartment was filled with, like, a very strange and excessive amount of popcorn stucco but when i walked home with my new pair of glasses i looked i stepped into like the foyer of my apartment and i was really mesmerized about how um it was on every wall and the ceiling and then um like it 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 feels like not so like it feels excessive the like amount of surfaces that are covered in stucco and it felt really magical to me and there's also uh, paint that's been like chipped off and so there's different layers of like sediments that you can see of the different of the paint jobs um, and I was really floored by it I thought it was beautiful and I also have um, misophonia which is a sound sensitivity so uh, I knew for a while that texture on the wall or surfaces uh, deafens sound like audio sound so I've always been I've always felt like stucco has kind of protected me or insulated the space i'm in which i've always been really appreciative of so i just you know came home one day and found the space that i was in gorgeous and i I liked how it was kind of gross and like off it's kind of yellowish looking and so um i just started getting obsessed with it and that's usually how I start a video where like I find something and and I become obsessed with it and then I just work from that obsession
0: so then would that also apply to I think your most popular character if I'm not mistaken like the anthropomorphic like Canadian Airlines plane or like what is it
1: (laughs) yeah Air Canada gal
0: it sounds absurd when I say it out loud (laughs) but go ahead
1: no it's not absurd to me (laughs) So, um, I guess she's my most popular. She's my first. That's so definitely my first and my most comfortable costume, weirdly. So, I was on the internet and I was trying. I, I don't know. For a while, I, I just tried to look at all of the different like subcultures of drawing online, and that's how I found the Pokemorphs. But I found this drawing of an anthropomorphic, um, I think it's jet blue. Uh, Anthroplane, and it was by the artist Walter Sash, and I thought she was so beautiful. She was so curvy, and they made her look kind of like a lizard, and it's the first time I ever saw an image like that in my life, and I thought it was beautiful. And then I looked up Anthroplane, and then there was a small, small community of Anthroplanes. It's not as big and wonderful as it is right now, but uh, it was a small community. And I thought they were just amazing. And I would just keep revisiting and like seeing the different things that people made. And I saw that everybody kind of made different airplanes and uh, associated them with different countries. So I was like, I wanna make an Air Canada airplane. Not that I'm uh, patriotic to Canada and not that I'm uh, loyal. I'm like, have a brand loyalty to Air Canada, but I thought it would be a funny and interesting performance,
0: right? Right, but I think you're—I think you're being a little modest in saying that it's not like your most popular character because I think it was actually featured in—and um, I am so jealous that you actually got to do this. Uh, you did like—I um, don't know—it was like a feature with like Tim Heidecker, right?
1: Mm, so don't give me any credit at all, please, for this. So Tim, he- Tim Heidecker has this streaming uh, program called Office Hours. And um, he usually, sometimes they're themed. And so this theme was puns. And my friend told me to go on it and like try and get uh, shown on it. So basically, um, Tim Heinecker and the gang ask for puns or ask for something specific. And then you can like raise your hand in the stream and possibly get chosen. And I was wearing uh, the Air Canada Gal costume in it because I wanted to get chosen. And they chose me. And then the audio wasn't working horribly. And then they chose me again. And then I said my joke. And they really didn't like my joke. They didn't think it was funny at all. uh, And they, like, roasted me. And then that was it. (laughs) So um, I didn't get invited. So don't give me credit for that. Um, I basically just, like creepily forced my way on and then they didn't like me but it was I suppose a uh interesting experience and I was able to like use that as like a little clip to post
0: oh well, I'm sorry to hear that but hey I mean that's that's way closer than I've ever been to like Tim Heidecker you know and I'm a huge fan of you know the, the work that he's done especially with Adult Swim and you know all mm-hmm. Surreal. you could get
1: on uh just just go from my uh experience that it's very possible to to like talk to tim heidegger you should do what i do but do a better job
0: uh, maybe it might be worth a shot i mean i don't know i'm not i'm not really a comedy man so much um but i i guess i'm also curious because part of your content too you said that you did like um video essays correct mm-hmm and um i I remember one unfortunately i couldn't like see through it before like you know i i got you know before this interview but it was you were talking about like the nature of selling on like etsy which Mm -hmm. you know was a topic that that interests me a lot because it it seems like uh, well i i guess let me let me start with your experience like i guess what what um what was the inspiration for that that video? Was it based off like your own experience selling on Etsy, or like where where did you draw from?
1: Yeah, um, I had and have an Etsy shop, and at the beginning of the pandemic, I got like government like the the Canadian government gave like subsidies for people who lost their jobs, and so like I got like a little bit of money for the month. And I was like, I'm going to invest this in a small business. <laughs> um, I decided to to make my own like um, arts supplies and like art kit company. And so I like went through the whole process of like setting up a shop and like sourcing supplies and stuff like that. And through an... I felt very like empowered and excited to have my own Etsy shop. But I but through the years of seeing what it's like to open something like this, this, I realized that it's a pretty exploitative system. So in the the video that you're referencing is called Platform Capitalism. And platform capitalism is just basically this theory that uh, we're shifting from like um individual websites which are their own markets or which are their own like shops and um in-person shops brick and mortar shops to uh platform markets so uh, people will go to a specific platform like um, etsy or amazon um and they'll search something and you'll find a whole bunch of shops that are selling the thing you're looking for but um, the shop owner doesn't benefit from this because you're usually incentivized or you're usually like asked by the company. um, What do they do? Oh yeah, to offer free shipping. So you might see a shop on Etsy where you see a really good deal and there's free shipping, but um, they're biting that cost of the shipping. So they're actually probably making a really small profit. And in that video, I um, have like a, Cute ASMR elf girl list all of the, which is like me performing in like an elf girl costume, and I list all of the uh, different fees that Etsy extracts. And you, once you hear all of those sums together, it, it like really dawns on you how exploitative this practice or this platform is, and that you make so little profit. But the thing about Etsy, which makes it more ominous in my eyes, is that they sell you on like a brand of DIY and like artsiness and alternativeness. And so the the fact that they are still equally as exploitative as the other platforms, it's just um, feels like they're, you know, exploiting like little like art, (laughs) little artists that are like really excited that they made a cute little painting and it it just feels extra evil to me and sorry I'm going on on about this but I am still (laughs) I'm still surrounded by boxes in my apartment and it sucks and I'm trying to still like finish selling all of my things Uh, but I will one day and it will be very exciting
0: yeah, because the impression I always got from Etsy was it was like kind of a way to sell like, you know, like the whole grind culture but to like mm-hmm. cottagecore people. And I don't know if that sounds like a little mean or anything, but like that that's always the vibe I got in terms of that's accurate of like how online stores typically work.
1: Yeah, that's completely a- accurate. It's like um even the even the people who like to make corsets can now get involved in like the, the grind set. <laughs>
0: sounds rough um but uh i think and, and that's like also very like high profile like um like the video of yours because i think and i i could be mistaken that was promoted by mildred from thought slime wasn't it? or am i misremembering
1: um mildred promoted my jiggle physics video ah, and that was go. so I Sweet. And I, I, I got, like, the most subscribers I've ever got in my life because of that shout-out. And then I, I also think that I have um, my uh, viewership base, base changed. Like, the people who comment on my video changed. The, I started getting people who, like, would write really, really long and sincere and, like, interesting comments on my videos because of that. So it really did change my channel a lot.
0: Oh, well congrats on that um thank you now i think mildred it's it. it's through um oh my god i can't believe i'm forgetting the name uh eye zone right
1: oh, yeah eyeball zone
0: eyeball zone there you go so like from what i understand it's usually like somebody recommends you like to that like via like an email uh who recommended you
1: i just emailed mildred oh you just did <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh
0: okay oh that was like a, a gotta... friend or something
1: <laughs> no 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 I got the grind set
0: no, <laughs> ah. oh, okay, that makes sense very cool, very cool um you know, I usually hate asking these types of questions because I know like you're like a performance artist and that's not like one-to-one with like acting right like acting in a film or something like that like i know there there might be like some skills that like transfer between the two in a sense like performing in front of an audience or things like that but um i i guess i guess do you have any like correlated interest in acting in a sense because it's like in some ways it's kind of what you do with the skits or the skits sorry but like I I know it's kind of not and it it, it feels like you know like I'm asking like a cook to farm you know like a weird thing like that but I guess what's what's your thought on that
1: so you're you're asking if um acting is similar to my performing
0: well yeah if it's like similar to your performance and if it's like something that you want to like open yourself up to more like either like acting on a stage or is there like a, a difference between like traditional forms of acting and like your performance art that you just don't see yourself really moving over into that
1: i definitely think that there is a similarity or a correlation i, I think the better i get at uh acting that the better i can perform in my videos although i'm not interested in like moving over into acting like i don't think i have like the face for acting or the skill i'm not putting myself down like i i never grew up being that kind of like outgoing actor personality i'm more i'm the best at performing when i can do it in front of an audience and i've made the character myself and it's it's me basically and performing in front of a camera but i i will say that the things that I have learned about acting have helped my performances and yeah, if you have any cool tips, I would love to hear some.
0: Well, me, no, I'm not, I'm not an acting. I'm very much like in the film critique side of being things in terms of like film analysis and things like that. But okay, um, fair. yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I, you know, I'm not big on showing my face out there either. Um, <laughs> but I guess then in that regard like I'm curious about like your influence so like in a broader sense like you know philosophically you said that you're inspired by like surrealism absurdism what have you but I guess are there any like individuals that you could point to that like kind of have been like I I guess you could say like in, in words like a sort of blueprint for you in terms of like what you've done with like your work
1: yeah, I, I think so. Uh, have you heard of Ryan Trincarton?
0: Mm, no, I don't think I have.
1: Um, they are an artist that does like very extre- like very extreme and strange performance art, and I, I'll, I can I'll send you a link to them after. But I am inspired. I was when I was in art school inspired by them. I was also inspired by Corey Archangel, who. Um did a lot of work with video games. and when I was in art school, I was I didn't know that you could have like video games in your art, so it was very exciting for me. But actually, I'm pretty inspired by like Normie media, to be honest. Like I know a lot of artists like to cite uh, beautiful and wonderful, interesting like artists that they know, but I find what makes my art. What what gives me the ideas most is like watching anime or reading sci-fi. Um yeah, reading fantasy or sci-fi books. And so um maybe I could cite Kim Stanley Robinson, who's a sci-fi writer, and George R. R. Martin. Um, he writes some really good sci-fi as as well as like his fantasy sci-fi series. Um, and Octavia Butler and Margaret Atwood.
0: I see. Yeah, I see. So, like, in terms of the uh, anime side of things, uh, I guess can you elaborate further? Because that's probably like the field where I would be able to like you know relate more. So,
1: mm-hmm. are you a, are you a weeb?
0: <laughs> Listen, don't, don't don't tell anybody. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> I mean. Well, okay, my history with anime is is, is complicated, but I guess before, I, I don't want to go necessarily to spiel about that. I, I guess, like, for you, though, being more specific, like, what, what animes do you think you've drawn inspiration from?
1: Uh, well, now you're making me interested in your complicated relationship with anime, but I guess there's a whole Monster Girl genre right now blossoming in the anime universe, and I eat that content up. I find it so interesting... I think the way that like waifus and like monster girls are integrated together is really interesting. And I, I watch a lot of anime, so and I, I I always found it a bit more interesting. I found the pacing more more intriguing than Western animation when I was a kid. So I, I consume a lot of anime, and I use like some of like the waifu traits and techniques in my videos.
0: (laughs) Um, Well, my issue with anime is actually with the same thing. I'm not the biggest fan of, like, the whole waifu culture associated with a lot of, like, anime. Because I don't know, I've always, like, I've tried to relax more on it because I know with Japanese animation it's like... uh, And I'm sorry, I don't want this to, like, lead into, like, a huge rant like it did with Gareth Jones. Um, no tell me so it's it's in a way like you know when I was younger I was very much like against it, you know like I very much like kind of like hated anime because like, and over time I've tried to like relax over it but it's just like the the representation of like women and I feel like oftentimes you know it, it like could be better like i'll be, I, like yeah yeah I, I will stand by that I think like it could be better in a sense that I think women are written like especially by like lazy anime writers like there are some good anime writers but I think a lot of like the more commercial ones it's very flat characters to the point where like you you even have like named tropes for them like tsundere's yandere's you know all the whole dere like side thing and I just think that's like a very yeah cheap way to like very like yeah, I guess, like, a cheap way to write women, especially, you know, when compared to, like, what what could be the case and what has been the case in a lot of other, like, animated films or shows. I don't know if I'm really making sense here.
1: I think there's been a big shift from that, actually. Like, the, I know you're talking about the deras. Um, I think that a lot of anime is being produced by women right now, or at least some, or some of the interesting ones. They're still, like big animes that have like five very powerful male characters and then there's like one female character to that group and she like you know has her own power but she's never as powerful as the two men who or boys that have a rivalry with each other The the girl is always like sidelined even like like for naruto it was made so long ago that I can almost forgive it but something like my hero academia where it's it's a brand new anime and they're still making the mistakes does enrage me um I'm I feel personally okay with like characters that like have that are sexualized but as long as they're like interesting and um have are like given their own perspective and they're not like there's not this strange ratio of of five main character like male main characters that are very powerful and then one woman or um I guess I'm okay with like harem kind of style animes but it can be it can be kind of boring for me sometimes but I do kind of I guess I said I'm interested in the, in the waifu tropes or I, I find them inspiring but I, I also just find them um I, I think that they can speak to people if, if you can like take out the parts that are uh could be damaging or hurtful there are things that are there that could be valuable in my opinion
0: right yeah and that's why i'm trying to like like relax on it because i i know there has been like a lot of like advancements i think compared to because i mean betraying my age a little bit you know i was like you know when i was like a teenager it was like the 2000s or so and i don't think that was like the best time for like anime in terms of like writing female characters and things like that but i think you you are right like there has been kind of a move Mm -hmm. away from that but it's like i don't know it's just i think part of it is the fans uh, ah that sounds i mean that sounds mean because i i know like a lot of like anime fans who are really nice but i think you know like there is always going to be like that audience that they want to tailor to in terms of how they write female characters and i just don't think that's an audience that i'm ever really gonna like get along with i mean that sounds that sounds super harsh but like yeah I, do you know what i mean
1: yeah, I mean, I have a um, Crunchyroll subscription, no flex. Um, actually, I use my boyfriend's um, Crunchyroll subscription, but uh, I can read all the comments that are um, under all of the videos, and I, I see the the energy you're talking about. It's it's hard. It's hard that you have to like see the fans, and and they're kind of they can be dumb sometimes. But but I do think that they're. That there's really weird and interesting animes coming out right now that 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 address the things that you're talking about, um, and there like there can be power that is taken from like the waifu trope. Like I think you can I I like I personally find things find some aspects of it empowering or fun.
0: i I get that and i think there's interesting things you could do with it like one anime that i really do like even though it kind of like has like a lot of this fan servicey nature of it is um space dandy but i think space dandy is interesting because it kind of like plays off of like a lot of the tropes that you see in other animes in terms of like how they approach like moe culture things like space that. dandy yeah space dandy it's i think a little bit older i think like 2010 or so i don't know it's been a while
1: i'm gonna look it up okay i'm looking at a picture right now so um you said it, it plays on the tropes
0: yeah like um like it, it's like it approaches it in kind of like uh like there, i remember there's like aspect where it's like kind of like absurd like there's a, a restaurant called like boobies right and uh-huh. it had like three breasted aliens and stuff like that and it's like i don't know to me that like seems like so ridiculous that like it's charming in a way yeah and yeah um, i'm
1: looking at imagery of it right now
0: yeah and i think even the sh- the show's like smart enough to even just go beyond that too so i don't know i, I would definitely recommend space dandy um I'll, but...
1: I'll check it out i love
0: recommendations yeah yeah i definitely yeah but um i I don't know I, i i was always thinking about like because you know before i did interviews i did like solo content where i like did my thoughts and i kind of wanted to and before i like transitioned to interviews i was thinking about doing you know um an episode where i talked about like my own experience with anime and things like that uh i think maybe down the line i'll try and flesh out my thoughts more maybe get like i was trying to find um people that you know do like anime reviews or anime retrospectives on like youtube to maybe talk about them more maybe to like you know kind of gauge my experience with theirs but um
1: uh, um excuse me but i have an anime review of naruto so you should watch that
0: oh well they, there you go but i mean would you consider yourself like an anime reviewer or, like in the same vein that like, no. others are? Oh, yeah
1: Definitely not. I don't think I'm ever a reviewer uh, or any sort of sense in my videos. But I do speak, I do make a whole video about Naruto and I I speak about the things that you're talking about in it. So,
0: good. Uh, Well, I mean, if you don't mind, like just to paraphrase, what were your thoughts uh, in that video?
1: So, I, okay, so um, there's this, I have to give a bit of a context. There's this theory um, that this YouTuber called Preston Jacobs has that George R. Martin, who is the author of A Song of Ice and Fire, which is the Game of Thrones series, um, that the Game of Thrones series is post-apocalyptic. So it it takes place in this like medieval sort of fantasy um, period, but there's elements that are um, the hint that it's actually post-apocalyptic and it's actually a sci-fi story and everybody is stuck in the Stone Age because of like a nuclear disaster and i make the argument in my video that naruto is actually post apocalyptic and that the ninjas are stuck in this like strange um like stunted uh culture where they are super super uh, technologically advanced with their ninjutsu and like uh, ninja powers but um they don't know how to use the technology around them and uh yeah that's that's kind of what it's about it's, it's kind of also like like bullying Naruto but also loving at the same time. And I also talk about the trope where there's like this like love interest girl that uh will like die for the main character and always has this like kind of sad dying scene. And I like cosplays like a Naruto character Naruto character who's like dying for like the main for the viewer.
0: Right, and I remember like you cut that and like made it to like a short right on your YouTube.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, well, that's interesting. Like I have heard similar ideas because like a lot of people have pointed out like how there is like kind of modern tech, even in Naruto. Like I think they use like radios at some points, um, mm-hmm. different things like that. Um, but yeah, that def- that definitely sounds like uh, an interesting video and I recommend my audience to check that out. Um,
1: yeah, it's called Is Naruto Post-Apocalyptic?
0: Awesome, awesome. Uh, I guess to kind of shi- I'm sorry, we kind of took, like, a weird tangent with that, like, whole anime thing, uh, but- That's okay! Back- but to shift back to you, um, I- I guess, uh, so w- so what are- like, what big projects do you have, like, on the horizon? Is there anything that you want to, like, specify here, or, like, um, is it, like, under wraps, or, like, what is it?
1: Okay, let me think. I- I'm always- trying to make multiple projects at the same time. So I currently have multiple characters that I'm working on. One is a fiberglass insulation character who is made out of fiberglass, which is like the pink fluffy stuff that's inside of houses. And I have the costume done and I have a bit of the script done and I even made like a set, but I still like I'm waiting on this like brain explosion that's gonna like bring it all together another thing that i'm working on is with this artist named ian soder and we're going to make like a little play or performance together where he's going to like dress up like an hr specialist and he's going to fire all of my characters and there's going to be a monologue of all of my there's going to be like the skit of all of my characters like coming into his studio and he's gonna fire them and they all react like differently and that's a bit of like performancey that could be either be a, a live performance art or a video or both um i'm currently fixing my moth girl costume because i want to make another moth girl video but i had made the costume so hastily that i the back looks terrible and you can like see all of like the raw edges of all of the costume and the antenna is falling apart and like the bra piece is so uncomfortable i just basically took a bra and like put fabric on top of it so i like i i did a lot of like cosplay sins and so i i am taking apart my costume and making it good and uh more things to come i guess lots lots of things that i'm thinking about and um, lots of characters that are like kind of the back of my brain that I'll process later.
0: Very cool. Very cool. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, so I guess with this next question, I know it it varies a lot from like like artist to artist, or like from performance artists to performance artists. But I know like um like the I guess the parallel I can draw is with an actor. Um, oh, I'm i don't remember his name he was in like possum he does like a lot of horror films but like with a lot of his performances he kind of like makes it a point to like add this kind of physicality to it to like add to like the creepiness so like if he plays a monster like he'll do like um different like contortions like with his body to like add to like the the terror of his characters So I'm guessing, Mm -hmm. like, with you, I I don't know, like, is there any type of, like, physicality that goes into, like, your own work, like, to that extreme, or, like, what exactly?
1: I suppose there should be more physicality, and that's something I should probably work on as a performer. Um, I think I stray a bit too close to, like, cuteness tropes. I sometimes I'm, I'm like too very concerned about being like hot on camera or like looking good. And so I have tried to be gross or like um, have extreme facial expressions, but, but I notice I, that I tend to um, want to like look good on the camera more. So, so I'd say no, but it's something that I should work on and get better at.
0: Right. And part of the reason why I brought it up is because I I think I remember seeing like a picture of you. It was like this like log character and it was like you were um, kind of like contorting your body to like make the shape of like the log. Right. Hmm. And I, I was wondering, like, was that like a big strain for you to do? Or is there like other performances that might like cause that type of like strain on your body?
1: It wasn't a big strain for me to do. There, There's definitely costumes that are very uncomfortable. I, I made a um, centaur costume that could move and I've actually made it twice already because I, the first one I, um, I spent so long on and then I just realized it wasn't high quality and then I made it again. But even the second one I've made, um, the body is quite heavy and so it puts a ton of weight on my hips when I'm walking with it. And so I have, like, bruises on my hips after I perform in it. But I'd say that I I don't do any wild contortions or, like, body articulations in my videos. But perhaps my videos could benefit from a bit more of that.
0: And I guess kind of on a, like, related note, because I know, like, your genre is, like, um, and it's, it's all right if, like, you're, you know... Um not really like interested in like approaching it this way but um like i know like a lot of your content is focused on like comedy and like things like that but have you ever thought of like doing branching out to like you know like like i said like horror or like you know other like angles outside of like the comedic side of things
1: hmm i i'd say some of my videos have horror aspects of them of it some of them are maybe a bit more disturbing some of them are some of them are actually just disturbing but it's uncomfortable so it's funny um so your question is what i would i do more overtly like do a, something that's not unfunny or something that's like a very different tone
0: well I yeah think because that i I'm... and i apologize because i haven't like um, really like seen all of your content so i don't know like oh
1: that's okay you
0: know? necessarily if you actually have and maybe I could I could be wrong in that sense but like yeah like terror in the sense like you want to like scare your audience you know
1: Hmm, I would be interested in scaring my audience that's a good idea I don't know how (laughs) I would do it I, I guess you would be more of a pro since you have the film background but scaring my audience sounds like a good thing that I should try
0: well, I don't know. that should be very interesting. But I mean, in either way, you like you're you're the performance expert. I was just kind of curious because you know I, I like oftentimes these intersections of like different artists exploring like different different areas and what they like come up with in, in a way. But um, in in the, in either case, like your work, I think has been like very interesting, um, especially like a lot of the film essay stuff, which unfortunately I wish I could see like more of. But like I, I, that's like the longer form videos that like are kind of harder to like sit down and like watch through. Uh, Do you have any plans on like, like continuing that type of work or is it just mainly the performance art stuff that you want to focus on?
1: Yeah, I'd say like every four videos I make a video essay, but it takes so long um, because I, I, I put so many like little micro elements into it. So it takes a very long time, but but I, I'd say I, I make them whenever I have something interesting to say. And I don't, I don't like um, give myself the standard of like, I am a video, I, I'm a video essayist. So I must always push those out. Cause I don't think I'm not like an, I'm not an intellectual and I'm, I'm not going to make something to teach somebody something. Or at least I'll, I'll make something when I'm, a, when I'm obsessed with the topic. And then I'll feel like I can actually teach somebody about that thing so i'm gonna make more but when i feel like i want to
0: right no that makes sense and i mean like for myself i've always kind of like envied like video essayists in a way because it's kind of what i wanted to do but uh, like actually sitting down and writing a script is like difficult for me because um you know it's i hate proofreading my work i can't stand it like if i would do it i would want like an editor um, did, you, did you do you edit your own video essays or do you usually collaborate with like an, an editor or proofreader?
1: I mean video edit or edit my scripts
0: um, I guess both because I mean if, if I were to do video essays I would have to actually you know switch over to video and I think you know I would also have like some problems there too
1: hmm um, I edit all my videos I love editing that's my favorite part of the whole video. Um, I do call my friends and rant i I call my friends jess and claudia when i go for walks and i rant and i tell them about my ideas and they give me advice and so they, they help me with that and when i write my script i show it to my boyfriend who is also a performance artist and writer and he will give me the hard truth of whether the script is ready or not and then i'm like okay I can do this. <laughs> so I, I do, and um, I, I basically have like friends that I call upon when I want to like go. I want to like discuss an idea, and then I have like a confidant who like knows my work really well and can tell me if a script is ready or not.
0: Oh, oh, very nice, very nice. Um... And I know uh, you've you've talked about like uh, the community response in terms of like your your viewers like when you first started and kind of compared to now. But I guess like how how's the response been from like uh, other fellow like performance artists or other like video like essays? How how has that been for you as you've like progressed in your career on YouTube?
1: Hmm. Well, I think that it's a double-edged sword for art. So for, on, hmm, on one hand, it, it allows artists and curators, sorry, my cat just jumped down. Oh, um, no on one hand, it, it allows curators to look at my art really easily. And it's not behind some sort of like wall or uh, video distribution company. So people can see my art re- really readily. Um, it also means that my art, it can sometimes be seen as like outsider art. Like I've had curators curators ask me if my art, if I consider myself an outsider artist before. And so it isolates me in this way from the art world, which I don't like. And I try, I actively try and like work against it, but but sometimes it, it can be interesting, that, that weird dynamic that I have. And an outsider artist is basically like somebody who makes um, strange art that might be interesting to artists but they don't have any like technical training or they're not like speaking within like, they're, they're not within the artist community. Um, so, so, my, so somebody who makes like deviant art drawings might be considered an outsider artist. Um, so if anything, my YouTube videos are good, but also can isolate me and other video essayists, I think like my Stuff. I, I have people who comment on my videos and, and like support me and I have people who share my videos sometimes and that's really cute and nice. And so I have some cute and nice people who also make videos that follow me and that's good and I have a interesting relationship with the art world and my online hosted videos.
0: I hmm. see. I see. Um. So... How, how would i word this exactly so i i guess with that in mind and you kind of briefly uh, i think touched upon it with like your sentiments there but like like what improvements would you want to see in terms of like being able to do what you do like for an audience in terms of like utilizing these platforms like what like what what changes like would you want to see like maybe to like youtube or to like um different systems that you like employ uh to like promote your own artwork
1: You mean, what would I want to change about the platforms that I have, that my arts are hosted, my art pieces are hosted on?
0: Yeah, like uh, improvements to like those platforms, or um, I think you have a Patreon, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Or like even to that too, yeah, because I know um, I've contemplated using Patreon myself, but it just has. You should. Like, uh, like, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm just not really sure at the moment.
1: We can talk about it after. Oh, for sure. Uh, so what would I want to change? Well, firstly, I'd want YouTube to make me famous. (laughs) (laughs) I'd want YouTube to show my art to everybody. It's really hard to know what, um, what would make a video popular. And, um, YouTube rewards videos that are, um, that, that complement keywords. So like, like let's say somebody makes a slime video where they're like making their own slime. YouTube can easily categorize that into different um, boxes and then put that in front of people who might be interested in slime content. But my videos all have different subjects. Um, they're hard to categorize. They, they might have like multiple subjects within them they, they're not necessarily like a comedy skit, so they can't go under that category. They're not necessarily a video essay, so they can't go under that category. And so I find it hard for my videos to find an audience. And so it'd be great if that could be something YouTube um, worked with. I don't know how the algorithm worked. It'd be great if that was a bit more transparent. For Patreon, I like Patreon. It would be good if uh, people could like buy one time, like make one time donations because sometimes I want to like sell a art print or I want to like sell like a little art piece and people will have to sign up for a tier that goes multiple months, but somebody just wants to buy something one time. So it's irritating where I have to be like, okay, if you want to get this poster, uh, sign up for this month, and when I send it to you, uh, click away or like disengage from that tier. So that is annoying. I-, I think that the fact that people see art so much on Instagram and online is is bad. It it makes. It, like, it's oversaturated and it it makes you, like, care less about art and care less about a community. So, and, and lots of art, like, now artists usually have, they have their own websites, but it's really important for you to put your art on Instagram for artists. And I find that, um, that it sucks because you're, because then you're not, before, There was a gatekeeper of a curator in a gallery who would tell you you could be in the show. And now, in addition to that, there's a platform that's telling you whose eyeballs your work can go in front of.
0: Yeah, that, that sounds like a rough dilemma um well we are approaching uh the hour mark uh thank you all so much for joining us today uh if you want to support the podcast you could do so in a number of different ways uh anchor gives you subscription options so if you want to pay monthly you can you know do so through that Uh, i also have a a ko-fi account for one-time donations if you know you don't want to commit to like the subscription option i think i also enabled uh, a subscription option through uh, ko-fi so you could do either or um, I also have a merch store, which I forgot to plug in my last um, in my last episode. But yeah, I have a merch store, so you can buy t-shirts, mugs, what have you. It's all really nice. Uh, all this should be linked on my uh, Twitter account, at Podcasting Pasta. Again, that's at Podcasting All one word, the P's are capitalized. Uh, Maya, thank you so much for joining us. If you want to shout your own socials, go ahead.
1: Thanks for having me. Uh, my socials. Twitter is Super Saiyan Maya. I made that a long time ago and I can't change it. Instagram is the bro percent, which is like the best name. And I'm very proud of that uh, handle. YouTube is Maya Ben David, but people usually just say it Maya Ben David and Ben and David are separate words. Uh, Patreon is Maya Ben David. And that's all I got. Thanks for listening to me. This was fun.
0: All right, and thank you for coming on, and thank you everyone. Uh, Enjoy your evening, morning, what have you, and take care.